0: And I really appreciate other folks who are not willing to give up yet, who are not ready to toss in the towel, who are not done being creative, who are not done searching scriptures, who are not done leaking arms across communities, who are not done challenging our government, who are not done taking um, cases to court, who are not done talking about sexual assault, who are not done figuring out how hospitable they can be to the LGBTQIA community who are not done, who are not giving up. And that's what gives me hope.
1: That was Austin Channing Brown. And I talked to her all about her new book, which is called, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. Uh, I found this book to be unflinchingly honest, but also this huge invitation to walk this hard road together. Uh, And Austin has a humor about her, a directness about her, a joy and a fierceness about her uh, as it relates to celebrating blackness and also naming whiteness so that we can forge a new future together, Uh, one that's better, one that gives more dignity, one that dismantles systems of oppression and racism, one where we celebrate our stories. And so uh, without any further ado, uh, enjoy this conversation with Austin Channing Brown. Friends, I'm here with Austin Channing Brown, one of my favorite new authors. Hi, Austin.
0: Hello. Hello.
1: Oh my gosh. Uh number one, your book is stupid good. Like I actually <laughs> got a little mad reading it because like you your your voice is just so crystal clear in it. And I was like, wow, oh, that just makes me Happy in a certain way, but also mad <laughs> in another way.
0: <laughs>
1: because the writing that is makes so me good. We're all happy. Well
0: thank you. I really yeah. appreciate that.
1: You're welcome. Uh so let's dive right in. You tell a story that's pretty interesting. Well, you tell many stories. It's it's such a great <laughs> story. Uh really you know it's a memoir slash cultural um I don't know what to call it, but anyway, you, you, you tell this story uh, about Mrs. Phillips and, uh, she uh, made this admission in class, which I think she thought was going to be pretty amazing. I don't know what she thought, but then, but it came off as maybe not that amazing to you. Can you tell that story? Would you mind?
0: Yeah. So in high school, um, I went to a Catholic high school, so we had religion class Mm -hmm. And um, this religion teacher was amazing. She was actually a nun who used four-letter words on a very regular basis. And (laughs) so we could not get enough of that, you know? A nun who cursed. That was so fun. And uh, (laughs) That is awesome. Right? Excuse me. And so she, um, yeah, we just loved her. She was like big personality, big stories. And we came in when the semester changed. And she said, "Uh, y'all, go ahead and pick your seats. And we were like, okay. (laughs) You're not going to use that good seating chart? And as we sat down, she was like, I made a discovery. I am racist. Hmm. And we were like, (laughs) uh... Okay. <laughs> well, and like, what okay. In the world?
1: No, Austin, what's the what's the makeup of the classroom right now? Too like like in terms of people of color. I
0: am, yeah, I think so. My high school was huge, mm-hmm. um, but it was only like twenty percent people of color, yeah. and so I'm sure in the classroom there was maybe two of us, but it might have just been me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of classes where I was the only one, and so. Um, yeah, so I'm looking around the room thinking, huh, <laughs> yeah. well, that's, that's interesting. So she continues and she says, so I had a new class because it's a new semester. And she said, I had two black girls who were sitting next to each other. And she said, I realized in that moment that I had been using my seating chart to try and separate students of color. Because my first thought when I saw them seated together was, oh no, now they're going to be all sassy and disrespectful. This class is going to be awful. I'm not going to be able to get through anything. And she was like, holy shit. (laughs) And I thought, huh. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is fascinating. Yeah. Um, and you know, I have to say, I'm honestly not upset with her at all. I still loved her. I still enjoyed her class. Um, but it was awkward. It, I don't think it was as clean as she intended it to be because she hadn't fully thought through how that would make the handful of us who were in her classes feel. Yeah. and for me, i I immediately thought, well, one, is that what you thought of me? Mm-hmm like when i walked into your class did you think that i was disrespectful and sassy and you know did i have to like disprove who you thought i would be mm-hmm. and then my second thought was are there other teachers who think of me that way mm-hmm. or is that the reason teachers like me because i'm not the black girl that they thought i might be mm-hmm. so yeah it was just really weird. and then i had to like go to my next class mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah well and i think that's part of what i loved about your book is that it was so honest about all these moments that i think Mm -hmm. probably uh white people don't give it a second thought um but maybe people of color have to do all this
0: code switching
1: and interpreting and there's all this energy spent on that right like i
0: so much energy yeah yep
1: yeah i I think you either said it or wrote it somewhere maybe it was on twitter but it was I, i laughed so hard it's like you said, white people are exhausting. I think you wrote it in the book. White people <laughs> are exhausting. <laughs> but so um, I want to ask a question about that as it relates to another yeah. thing you that, that, that you wrote about is like, when you go out and speak, um, yes. you're, you're, you're finding yourself speaking to um, lots of white folks these days. And yeah. you write about the experience of people coming up to you and essentially apologizing to you mm-hmm. on behalf of their own racism. And can you talk about that as it is? it's it, so yeah, awkward. Yeah, yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: So white, pe- it's really good when white people like feel their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, white people are human and they should feel their feelings. And wh- what happens though, is that white folks have a tendency to get like really fired up mm-hmm. and they're like excited. They want to do something, but they're also feeling convicted for like that one time that they were racist. Um, you know that yeah, like. Yeah, the one time. Were,
2: I remember this right, one time. When was... they
0: were like 12, right? And they used yeah. the N word or right. you know, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. They start feeling really convicted about something they had done. Yeah. And, um, and there's a desperate need to like confess it. Mm-hmm. To tell someone. And it's often the speaker mm-hmm. who is often a person of color. And, um, I, I, I know that again, this is one of those things that is done with really good intentions, Mm -hmm. but it's super awkward for the person on the receiving end. So imagine I just spoke to a room of like 300 people, right? Mm -hmm. Folks that I have never met before. All these people are complete strangers to me, but I pour my heart out, try to form some, you know, connection from the stage. And then someone walks up to me and says, you know What? Just last week, I said the N word. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, what's yeah. your name? Yeah. <laughs> right? Right? That's like and the like, first
1: thing they say. That's what they what? lead with.
0: Right? I'm like, were you talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my laughs> <gosh. laughs> Why are you telling me this story? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So, yeah, it just is, it, it really is. It becomes, it, it. one, it's just very awkward because. I genuinely cannot forgive your sins. (laughs) I am am not Jesus. And if you didn't harm me, I can't make it okay that Mm -hmm. you did that, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that's awkward is that I don't, I can't make you feel better about what you did and Mm -hmm. confessing it to me has done nothing. Yeah. Um, And then the second thing that's really awkward is that depending on the story, it can, it can feel like a a burden that I now have to carry, even if just for a moment. Yeah. So I have uh, what what uh, one of the stories that I get a lot is some story about a family. So um, I've never corrected my racist uncle, or you know, the yeah. the Thanksgiving dinner after mm-hmm. Trump was elected, or you know, it's some sort of like <laughs> um, I I never realized like the impact of the Confederate flags all over my house, or you know, like it's just mm-hmm. this really weird like oh I don't want to think about that, but yeah. by confessing it to me. You've sort of placed me at the table,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? You've placed me in the room surrounded by the Confederate flags. Like mm-hmm. it just, it becomes a weight then that I have to lift off of me yeah. because I don't want my imagination filled with racist realities, right? Yeah. I just want to be in the room with people who care about racial justice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Man. but it makes people feel awkward when I'm not like, oh, "Father, forgive sins, <laughs> yeah, Right? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I got
1: well, for you. <laughs> but I think it's interesting. I think people are looking for absolution, which is which is yeah. fascinating. Um, but one of the other things I think I've learned over the over the last probably two or three years is, like, um, and this would fall under the category of well-meaning. But so many things are well-meaning. Yes that yes. that that it's like we don't know so like one of the things i've i've seen is so many people who are white in an effort to be better read on racism yes. they will ask their friends of color or their favorite yes. like personality of color that's their they're pastor that's on not. online or whatever hey can you give me a list of books i should read about and it's <laughs> like you know can you do my work for me you know right this Um,
0: is a question I get all the time of course you do lists everywhere like everywhere so including my own website yes (laughs) yes yes so I think
1: honestly I think white people are trying to make a connection I think white people are trying to but but can you please because I think that so many I'm gonna say us because I'm white but so many of us do that can can you please explain the dynamic that happens for you and other people of color when we, and I mean, we, us white people ask you to do our work for us.
0: Yeah. It's, um, as you said, well, let's start with the fact that it it, it usually really is well-meaning, right? Um, and I think that's important to note, because the goal in these conversations is not to um, is not to kill the intention, right, right? right? It's to redirect the intention. Yeah. And so um I don't want to kill anyone's desire to learn more. Right. <laughs> right. right. No, <laughs> like, yeah, yep, yep. It's not that the learning more that's the problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's um it's that white folks are more used to having the road laid out for them than they yeah. realize. Yeah, there we go. Right. So I'd, I was not born with knowledge of black history. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I wasn't born with yeah. knowledge of American history. I wasn't yeah. born with. Right. I had to learn it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And my school didn't teach it to me either, mm-hmm. right? So I'm in yeah. the same boat as a lot of white folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to learn myself. And nobody handed me a list and said, here are the things, Austin, that you should read for your own mm. self-worth and yeah. your value yeah. and to understand America. I just had to go figure it out. Yeah. You know, yeah, like there yeah. were there were some books on my bookshelves and there were some books at the library and there were bibliographies and there was praise God, eventually Google. But yeah. for a long time, it would not even have Google, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. had to figure it out. And I think for me that I think that's, what's the most frustrating, honestly, it isn't that I couldn't give you a list of books. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, I have one on my website. Mm-hmm. So it's frustrating. Is I don't think white folks often realize how much work people of color have had to do mm-hmm. in order to possess this knowledge. Yeah. And the idea that I would just like pave the ground for you is kind of insulting, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Um, that part part of the learning isn't just reading the book, it's realizing how many books you have not been aware of. Mm-hmm. It's realizing the intentionality it takes to go find the books. It's looking at the bookshelves in your house and realizing there's not one author of color on the shelves. Mm -hmm. It's going to your library and realizing how difficult it is or how you have to order them from a different library and wait for them to send it to you. Or, you know what I mean? Like part of the work is realizing it shouldn't be this hard. But if all I do is write out a list of books for you so that you can order them on Amazon, then you've missed part of what the problem is. Yes. yes.
1: Thank you for that. Um, that. When you said maybe white folks, well, you didn't say maybe. You said white folks don't have a, a really clear perception of how many things have been just paved for yep. them. Um, yep. That, that, yep. that coin dropped in the slot for me. Yep. I mean, that would be an amen. I think that is really, really true. And I also think, you know, hey, give me another book to read is a little bit of a, yes, let's be well read. Yes, let's understand our history.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But, right. But it's like, oh, man, but just because I've read a book. That's right. Doesn't, right. So can I ask you about um, your, you write about the Sankofa trip that you went on. Yeah. Can I ask you, and first of all, so tell us what. Uh, a Sankofa trip is designed to do and then yeah. tell, tell whatever you want to tell about it <laughs>
0: what happened yeah yeah because it was
1: that's awesome I love that story is so powerful <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy so good
0: so, uh, Sankofa is a three-day bus trip through the south where students at my university were paired one white student with a black student and Um, the goal is to gather to learn about black history and how that history is still impacting the present, particularly the college campus that we were living on. So the goal then was that we would all form these like really deep authentic friendships from having gone through this experience together. And we would continue to seek racial justice on the campus together. Mm -hmm. Beautiful concept. I ended up on this bus because my roommate asked me to go and basically said, if you don't go with me, then I'm not going. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, guess I'm getting on the bus.
1: <laughs> was your roommate a <laughs> person of color or white?
0: She is biracial. Okay. And so that's why she really wanted me to go with her Got because it. she knew that the trip would be different for her than it was for everybody else on that bus. Yeah. And, um, but consequently that meant that I didn't know much about the trip, except that I was going for her. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. that, was, that was the beginning and end of my knowledge. And, um, I thought that was enough because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I was young and a college student. Yeah. And, um, so I get on the bus and, um, on the trip, they don't tell you where you're going to go so that you can't sort of prepare yourself um, for it. Yeah. He watched all these really hard movies like American history X and Rosewood. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to read a book together. So then you can discuss the book as you watch the hard movies. Like it's really emotionally intense. Um, and there's only in the, in the three days you only spend the night at a hotel once. So mm-hmm. you're also just like really tired and really run down. Yeah. Um, so we get off the bus after having driven from Chicago all the way to Louisiana and they say, welcome to a plantation. And we were like, Okay well this is definitely part of black history okay well let me get myself together so we get off the bus and um we discover that it is one of the most romanticized Mm. storytellings of slavery that Mm. we have ever experienced so much so that we thought it was a joke Mm. like as we were walking through and she was like look at that trough the slaves were so innovative as they use this trough for both food and a crib. Oh my gosh. And what? we were like, Wait, what? Yeah. And then they like show us the field. It was like in the songs that the slaves said, my grandmother says she can still remember. She can still hear them sing. We were like, um, mm. okay. And eventually, like the students, the black students in particular, started to question this like retelling of history, so they would but they were trying to be respectful, so they would say things like um well did the did the slaves ever hurt themselves while they were picking cotton out in that field? and the tour guides would go, Oh no, gosh, oh no, they were experts at this, so no, 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 they never hurt themselves, and they were just they were really happy I mean, we treated them really, really well and and they sang these joyous songs we were like oh dear
1: yeah
0: oh dear Mm. and so by the time we had finished walking all the way through the plantation um there was some blood that was boiling it was it was pretty it was pretty bad and they decided to end the tour with now if you all would like to go pick cotton Mm -hmm. And I swear it was like an explosion happened. Mm, yeah. In our crew. Wow. It was so bad. Yeah. And I, I distinctly remember pulling a couple of my girlfriends away from the tour guys because I thought this is not gonna end well. We cannot have <laughs> we cannot get arrested for assault on this <laughs> trip. Like that was, that is not part of this plan. Um so wow. um, So at that point there were like varying degrees. So like a lot of black folks were like heated mm-hmm. and then there were white folks who were somewhere between angry and confused yeah. depending on how much they already knew about yeah. slavery right yeah so it was super awkward so then we get back on the bus and we drive from louisiana all the way to jackson mississippi and again more talking more like just not connecting at all more movies that are like oh my god if i see one more person getting lynched on this tv you know mm-hmm. like it was like yeah. Ugh. so we get off the bus and our our um, our leader says, "All right, we are now at an exhibit for lynchings," mm-hmm. and we're like, "Oh dear, okay." So we get off the bus, and there's only like three rooms. It is super, super small, um, but the walls are covered in pictures of black folks hanging from trees from. Bridges, from lampposts, from um, bodies burned or dismembered, um, families hung together, mothers with their children, women who are pregnant. I mean, it just went on and on and on. And I tell you, there were t- there, all, of, all the black students in particular were aware of the history of lynching. Mm-hmm. But there were two things that shocked us. And the first was that they didn't just happen in the South. There was a map on the wall when you first walked in that pinpointed every single recorded lynching in the U.S. And I think there were two states that did not have a recorded lynching.
1: Wow.
0: And so that was the first, like, wait, this happened all over the country? (laughs) Yeah this is so much larger right than what we've been told and then the second thing that i found absolutely shocking was that i had always assumed that there was some sort of shame around munching hence the like kkk the 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 white clothes Mm -hmm. doing it in the dark right like i had always assumed that it was this sort of like sick temptation Yeah, yeah But that people then went home and pretended that they were living normal lives. Um, And to see photographs with white folks smiling and pointing and um, storefronts that were selling parts of dismembered bodies Mm. and newspaper announcements and postcards. I'll never forget. One of the postcards had a picture of a lynching on the front and on the back, a handwritten note that said, sorry, we missed you at the barbecue. Mm Oh my gosh. Right? Like it just, it floored me. It floored me how much of a community event and how little shame was attached to just frivolously killing black bodies. So the room is silent. as we're walking through. We're there for, I assume, at least two hours. Um, And it's silent because the weight, the weight of death, the weight of what we had never talked about in any class we had ever had was so thick. Um, And we really didn't know what to do with it, honestly. We just really didn't know what to do with it. So we get back on the bus and um the white students, <laughs> poor white students, <laughs> they were like, well, we we weren't here, we didn't do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. They were like, yeah, My ancestors are from Sweden. I went to a Swedish covenant school. Um, and yeah. so they were like, yeah. my ancestors weren't even here yet. Right, like just distancing as much as they possibly mm-hmm. can, which I understand, yeah. but did not feel good in the moment, right? Right. And so <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's like that's like just shut up, people. You're just right. just like, don't
0: it's, just, it's not helping. Yeah. You're not helping. Yeah. Um, and so then, after after a few rounds of that, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, a, a black woman gets up. She's like a junior, a senior, and she is like close to six feet tall, um, just regal, regal mm. black woman, and. She says just as calmly as she wants to um, you know I think I think that white people are just innately evil. I think I think you can't help it I I, I don't I don't think you choose it. I think like it just must be like in your DNA or something mm-hmm. like you just... Rape and kill and mm. steal and lynch and mm. and you know like as I look over the course of like history, I think I think white people just might be evil. Mm. Yeah, and that's all I wanted to say. Mm. And then that child passed the microphone back to the next person, mm-hmm. <laughs> it
2: mm-hmm. went and went
0: set on. We like, "Wow, holy crap!" Yeah, okay, all right, well. So it, as you can imagine, that too did not go over well. <laughs> like,
1: that's so powerful though. I mean, even, I mean, yeah,
0: it's, I would say that most, right. So most of the black students on the bus certainly did not agree mm-hmm. in our heads, but something in our hearts was like, yeah. Hmm, maybe that's valuable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Hmm, that would explain a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah it was it was intense it was just really really emotionally intense and so more students talked more black students talked more white students talked and then it was almost time to break for lunch and the bus pulls into the parking lot and there's one more student who still has to talk and it's a white girl Hmm. and at this point most of the black students are like looking out the bus at the chick-fil-a thinking Mm -hmm. please let me go eat lunch right yeah yeah. (laughs) Jesus, let me eat.
2: Yeah.
0: And she gets up and she's like, you know, I'm a white girl. Like she gives like a million caveats, right? Yeah. And then she says, um, you know, I see a lot of pain on this bus. And she's like, and I can't take that pain away. I can't like undo what's been done. She says, but I can work for the rest of my life to make sure that um, that our children don't experience racism mm-hmm. and that this history never gets repeated. Mm-hmm. As you said, I just want you to know that doing nothing is no longer an option for me. Mm-hmm. And it was like the air, just like, like a fresh wind went through that bus. Mm-hmm. Because we were looking for white students to fix it. Right. And I think that's how white students felt like we needed them to fix it. And they were frustrated that it's something they can't fix. Right. Mm -hmm. And all we really wanted, but couldn't articulate was one for our pain to be acknowledged and two for there to be a commitment to work with us. Right. And she so, she articulated that in such an authentic way and from such a deep place in her heart, um, that it changed, it changed the, the entire trip. Honestly, wow. wow, um, and we still had more you know desktops as you can imagine, like yeah. we were we were on a truth telling you know, yeah. <laughs> ride by that time, but we made it, and that's really why I tell that story in the book one um because I do want to give you know readers who are white, just a little hope that they can get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little bit of hope. And <laughs> just a little bit, uh, just a little bit. Um, <laughs> but also I want to, but I also want to paint a picture that we can survive hard conversations. Cause yeah. I think white people are so afraid yeah. of having the moment where a black woman gets up and says, you are evil, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. right? you know? Yeah. And that's exactly what happened on this trip. That is exactly what happened on the trip. And you know what? Good things still happened. Yeah. Change still happened. People were transformed. So you don't have to be afraid if people say mean things you'll make it. It'll be okay.
1: Yep, man. That's good. That's good. And I think, man, just it, like it, it makes me wonder about folks who organize these, um, Sankofa trips, <laughs> like, you know, like, Hey, where can we find a plantation that's going to be so ridiculously off the, you know, <laughs> then, uh,
0: I will say I went on this trip three more times, and we did not go back to that plantation. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, that's like holy mama.
0: But I will also say that that first trip was the best
1: one that I went on. Yeah, the best
0: one. So I don't know. That's I don't like recommend it, but it was the best.
1: Well, I think any, anytime we can get into these places where we have to hold the tension and we can't just like turn off the movie, you know, and that's good. I mean, that's hard, but man, it's really good. But
0: it was worth
1: it. Yep. And I even think like back to our conversation about people wanting absolution, like, like that's part of the tension, you know, like we're, 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 we're all sitting in this bus and, mm-hmm. and those of us who are white are like, oh shit, you know, like, like, please, <laughs> please give me, just give me a look. Just give me one look that says we're still friends, you know, when we walk <laughs> off this bus to Chick-fil-A. Um, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and that's just on, on a very shallow level, what's yeah. happening, you know, yeah. on a very shallow self-referential level. Um, yep. But I think there's also this horror that everybody sees that like this happened this happened, man, uh, um, in our country, not long ago.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: You know, and and that's a, that's, um, that is very, very hard to, to take in. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay. So, um, one of the things I told you, I think when we were initially talking, um, trying to schedule this is part of the reason why I loved your book and I'm, I'm, I'm kidding about being mad, I mean I am jealous cuz it's such a well written book but um, <laughs> I
0: know that feeling well so yeah. it's really
1: okay <laughs> that's
0: um, how I feel every time I read something coach yeah. writes I'm like seriously yeah, I know how did you do that
1: No but but here's the combination I think that I think I told you that I really appreciated and it was <laughs> you have an unflinching honesty in the way that you tell your stories but also there's this sense of an invitation um, mm-hmm. to be in it with you. And I think we just heard it you know, in terms of the story about Sankofa and you wanted right. to offer some hope. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to read a quote from your yeah, book and then I'd like you to unpack any part of it that you'd like to, but you say near the beginning, I offer this story in the hopes that we will embody a community eager to name whiteness, to mm-hmm. celebrate blackness, and in a world still covered by systems of racial oppression begin to see that there's another way
2: mm-hmm. so
1: i lo- i mean i that was one of the ones that i sort of underlined and an exclamation points. so <laughs> would you mind like so there's three parts in there that i'd like you to yeah, expand on number yeah. one what does it mean to name whiteness
0: yeah so white folks have a tendency to think that only other people have a race right Right, so right. like black people have a race, and like Asian people have a race, and Indigenous people have a race, but white people are just white,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or worse yet, normal. Yeah,
1: right, yeah, right. Like right. Normal. The normalization of white culture as the standard, uh, you know what I mean?
0: And so, yeah. a big part of this book was trying to make whiteness tangible, and that's what I mean by naming it. Right, um, I'm trying to. Um, I'm trying to show the way whiteness reveals itself.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, I'm trying to name the culture. I'm trying to paint a picture of what everyday white supremacy looks like, even in a place that's actively trying to resist being racist. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm trying to, yeah, name it was is was really the only phrase that i could even think of i mean i think i could have used like unpack it or dismantle it but i think that's the work right Mm -hmm, i think mm -hmm. dismantling whiteness is the work right i think the book is really just trying to name it like trying to say this is what whiteness looks like
1: yeah
0: this is how whiteness operates this is this is when when you're leaning into whiteness this is what happens when you're not interrogating your own whiteness, right? When yeah. you just continue to think of yourself as like normal and a good person and, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're not looking at the impact of your intentions. This is how that can unfold. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, and that makes people really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I just posted um, um, a little thing on Facebook where um, Jen Hatmaker and I are going to be talking about um, uh, race as part of my book tour, and in Is the this little Austin paragraph, Austin? yeah, 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 baby. <laughs> and so, in the little paragraph, I, I I stole that right from from the book, and yeah. said, "Here's what we're going to do: we're going to name whiteness, we're going to celebrate blackness, we're going to talk about racial justice." And I had this woman who was like, "Are you promoting segregation?" All capital letters, and I was like. <laughs> Yep, that's what I'm doing. I'm partnering with a white woman to promote segregation (laughs) in Austin, Texas. That's what's happening. Mm -hmm. Right? But it's because, like, her brain stopped at whiteness, right? She saw name whiteness, and that immediately makes white folks really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. Because white is just supposed to be normal. And when someone says, nope, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, normal is different for everybody. Yeah. And what's normal for me is deeply uncomfortable and different and new when I enter a white space yeah. because whiteness is not normal for me. Yeah. Um, and so um, so that's the the first thing right like, that I'm trying to do with this book is just say if you're operating out of a sense of whiteness or if you want to understand whiteness i'm gonna attempt to paint that picture for you yeah yeah the second part celebrating blackness is so crucial for me in this book um so i remember teaching a class i've been teaching classes on race for a really really long time and sometimes the biggest lessons i get are for me and um I had this group of teenagers who came to a class that had originally been all adults and they brought this really fun energy and were able to dispel the myth that like things are getting better you know, because, yeah. because schools are more diverse than they've ever been. And, mm. you know, all my little high school kids were like, uh, yeah. that might be true, but we're all sitting at separate tables in the cafeteria, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was really good energy to, to have them in the room. But there was one discussion that we were having um, about stereotypes and how people of color navigate stereotypes, and when this when this cute, adorable uh, kid who was like maybe sixteen <laughs> raises his hand and he goes, um, "I really hope this comes out right," <laughs> he said, "Is, is it?" Is it <laughs> he said, "Is it terrible that I may be glad that I'm a white man?" Mm-hmm because I don't know if I could handle the, like, the things that y'all are talking about. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, bless your sweet little heart. Mm -hmm. You are, like, hearing and believing these stories, and Mm -hmm. that is a really good step. I love Mm it. Um, And so other people in the room were able to say, oh, actually, I really, like, uh, particularly interracial couples, which was really fun and unexpected, um, interracial couples were like, oh, no, whiteness, so boring compared to, like, my Mm -hmm. wife's latina heritage Mm -hmm. or my you know what i Mm -hmm. mean like Mm -hmm. so so good but i remember sitting there thinking holy crap i have only been teaching you about oppression Mm -hmm. you have no idea that there is absolutely no desire for me to be a white guy
1: yeah yeah
0: like none despite my name Despite, you
1: know Austin Brown. <laughs>
0: you know what I mean? Despite what I would, it could do for me if I actually looked the way people expect me to look. Yeah. I love being a black woman. Yeah. And I made a commitment to myself and that moment that if I ever spoke about race, if I ever wrote about race, that I would never, ever, ever make it exclusively about the oppression that I face that I would also talk about how much I love being a black woman. Hmm. And so that became a huge part of this book for me um, because, and and the more I think about this, Steve, the more that I think, and this might honestly, this is the first time I'm saying this out loud. This might be the second book is that um, white supremacy told two lies. Hmm. One lie is that white people are better than everyone else, mm-hmm. right? They're, mm-hmm. they're superior. Yeah. But the other lie was that black people were inferior, yeah. right? It wasn't like black people were neutral or black people were right. just okay, or black people were, right? Like yeah. The standard, but white people are like so much better, right? It yeah. it told the lie that white people were amazing
2: yeah,
0: and that black people were animalistic. Mm-hmm. And without a soul and right, like so much inferior. And and so I think what's really important as we go forward in our conversations and our actions towards seeking racial justice is that we don't continue to just talk about white folks. Yeah. That we also celebrate black people and celebrate indigenous people and celebrate api people and you know that um we have to correct the inferiority that we have placed on people of color by celebrating them yes so that was a huge part of of this book for me is saying being black is amazing if america would just get its shit together maybe i could enjoy it a little more
1: (laughs) (laughs) in my lifetime come on come on um well i think you I, I mean, I really enjoyed, uh, how you wrote about that in your oh, book. So like, and there's so many, um, I want to read one, um, one of the, uh, lines that I bracketed this paragraph. Yeah. So it's on, it's on page 83, y'all of your, of your book. Uh, I love being a black woman because we are demanding, Yes. We demand the right to live as fully human. We demand access, the right to vote, to education, to employment, to housing, to equal treatment under the law. And we do it creatively, sit-ins and die-ins, signs and songs, writing and filmmaking. We demand because our ancestors did. And to me, that's a celebration. And that's, It um, it totally is. Yeah. And that's part of the narrative that I think you're totally right, that it, that yes, we have to teach and remember oppression. Right. Um, and if we're going to, if we're going to, if we are going to move toward an inter, uh, you know, an inter racial or inter ethnic community, we have to celebrate our stories. Right. I mean,
0: that's right. That's right. We have to correct this myth that that people of color are inferior that is a lie and it operates on so many levels and so whether we're talking about interpersonal relationships whether we're talking about hiring Mm -hmm. whether we're talking about performance reviews or whether we're talking about systemic injustice like the criminal justice system or health disparities you know yeah That somewhere along any of those pathways, you're going to find not just white superiority, but also this underlying theme that maybe people of color aren't quite human. And we've got to correct that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's those two lies that you mentioned white people had to believe those lies if they that's were right. going to enslave black people that's right you that's know?
0: right and they yep.
1: had to and they had to tie them into their religious beliefs as well I mean, that's I had to, right. right otherwise i you know like i mean there had to be a brainwashing for them to think that that was an okay thing that, that's that, that, right so it's that's brutal right. it's brutal um yeah, oh my gosh but you're Again, unflinching honesty, with an invitation to be in it with you. That's that's, that's what I feel. Um, you have time for like one more question, Austin?
0: No, let's do it.
1: Okay. Um. So, well, actually, the first one could be quick, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> i got Maybe time. not. Um, Go ahead. Where are you finding hope these days?
0: Oh, next question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, we're we're, we're, we're okay. We were talking about Jamie Wright um, and, and yes. how much we both love her.
2: Yes, yes, and yes. so
1: I I asked I asked her a question that was similar to that, but yeah. I but I asked it in relationship to the evangelical church. I go, where do you <laughs> uh-huh. see hope in the evangelical church? She Probably goes, she goes, I don't, I don't anywhere. Wow.
2: Um,
1: and it was just such a it was such a good and honest, yep. um, and even beautiful response, you know, because. Yep. There's no fluffy answers, but um Mm -hmm. so anyway, I didn't mean to run all over your answer. If you have an answer. That gave
0: me time to think about what my true answer is.
1: (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) good.
0: so I am finding hope in progressive spaces that are asking how do we do this differently for this moment in time? Okay. So I think about um, the I'm sorry I don't know the name of the church, but the church in San Francisco that just had a Beyonce mass. Oh yes, yes, that's what I'm yes. talking about. <laughs> you know, like yes. let's do church differently. You know, yeah. I think about um, um, Barber, who is um, leading the Poor People's Campaign, mm-hmm. um, who's trying to pick up where King left off. Mm-hmm. I think about Tracy Blackman, who. Um, was one of the rare early voices um, um, who was tying together Black Lives Matter um, to the Christian faith. And, you know, um, there's so much falling apart right now, Mm -hmm. and it's so easy to focus on what's wrong, and we should. Um but I'm not willing to give up yet. And I really appreciate other folks who are not willing to give up yet, who are not ready to toss in the towel, who are not done being creative, who are not done searching scriptures, who are not done leaking arms across communities, who are not done challenging our government, who are not done taking courses, um, cases to court who are not done talking about sexual assault, who are not done figuring out how hospitable they can be to the LGBTQIA community, who are not done, who are not giving up. And that's what gives me hope. And those voices are often outside of the evangelical community.
1: (laughs) No, man. I mean, I'm, I'm just, oh gosh. Yeah. That's a whole other that's a whole other podcast for, that I could rant about for many hours and have. Um, there's not enough wine or bourbon for that conversation.
0: Um, Austin. Yeah, but I am grateful for those who are doing it differently. Yeah. We're trying. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, thanks for being one of those people. Um, and thanks for taking the time to chat. I loved it. You were Exactly what I w- what I hoped you would be. And it's just just open and honest and so graceful. And anyway,
0: oh my goodness, this was amazing. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, you're welcome. So, everybody, if you haven't already, Austin Channing Brown. Her book is called "I'm Still Here: Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness," and you can get it anywhere that uh, that you buy books. And Austin's also um, she is doing. A tour right now. So if you're, um, gosh, well, I don't know when this is out. So when are you going to be in Austin?
0: That's okay. I'll be in Austin tomorrow. Okay. So probably not by then. No. Um, but I'll be in Atlanta in like July 19 ish. Okay. Um, and in Seattle around August 2nd, I think. So yeah, check the website, friends. Check the website.
1: Yep. And is that just austinchanningbrown.com? Is that?
0: uh It is austinchanning.com.
1: Austinchanning.com. Okay. Yep. So I'll put that on the show notes, everybody. I'll put a link to, um, how to buy the book. Also how to check out where Austin is going to be speaking. Be and great. I'll even put a link to your resource guide. Hey. <laughs> so people <if you> don't that's are the
0: books you should be reading.
1: Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> so fun. Okay. And <laughs> you funny. said it, so you, you mentioned book two. So, um, let me just say i would be a big time cheerleader for that effort so whenever
0: um, i'm still thinking it through friends of course of course i think that's where i'm heading
1: yeah good well i hope you do and if you if you do um it okay so do you know caitlin curtis have you met her yet i do know caitlin okay fun so she lives in atlanta i i bet she will be at um at your event but i love caitlin she is if
0: she's not she and i are gonna have a very very difficult conversation. no i'm kidding
1: (laughs) well caitlin if you're listening sounds like the gauntlet has been thrown down you need to be at the at the event in atlanta so okay austin i will not take any more of your time thank you so much you are the best thank you bye Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to This Good Word. If you love this podcast, there's three ways that you can support my work. One is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash this good word. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, sign books and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook. Uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.